Welcome to the new Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a hub of sex-positive resources, including the experiences of people who are living with or affected by STIs, as well as organizations extending their resources to the platform so that people are able to have access to things like STD testing, treatment, condom, sex education. So, um... You probably didn't know that because I didn't talk to you about it. Surprise! (laughs) So you are the first um, guest that we have since finalizing this transition into the space of sex positivity. And I'm not 100% sure what that looks like for us moving forward. But uh, before we started the podcast as just interviewing people living with herpes and HIV because there were people who, after their diagnosis, wanted to kill themselves. So... This was my way of putting stories in front of them, showing them that there are people living a normal life or extraordinary life um, after their diagnosis, having families, having great careers, having successful relationships and or just, you know, casual sex or um, whatever type of relationship it is that they're looking for. So I am here with Joanna Dominguez. Is that how you say it? Yes, you said it right. Perfect. And Joe, so I didn't want to hear your story before we talk. I did all the talking and I told you about the podcast and I just said, hey, I want this to be a surprise. I'm kind of taking it back to the old school days where I didn't know anything about the guests and we go conversational. So I want to see how much better I've gotten at this as well. So um, you have, do you have genital herpes? I do. Yes. Okay. Uh, Type two. Genital type two. And how long ago were you diagnosed? Uh, it's going to be about eight years now. Okay. Eight years? So a, long, a long time ago, yes. Yeah. And how old are you now? I'll be 34 in a couple of months. Okay. Well, congratulations on making it to 34. <laughs> you look good. You, you sound good. Getting older. <laughs> so how long, so you and I met on Instagram. I saw that you were recently, um, added as a member of hands, herpes activists networking to dismantle stigma. And I saw that you were at it and I was like, Oh, that's someone that I can also talk to. You posted something. I can't remember what it was, but it made me reach out to you and just say, Hey, and kind of fill you out and see if you'd want to be a guest on the podcast. So, um, do you mind sharing a little bit about what it is that you do? Um, I am Coach Joe on Instagram. Yeah, for sure. So I am a life coach, and I decided to work with people that had been affected with herpes. And the reason I did that is because it's something that affected me personally. Um, Again, like I said, I I got diagnosed about eight years ago. And when that happened to me, I felt like I was pretty much on my own. I didn't know where to get support from you know when you go to the doctor you get diagnosed they tell you all about the physical symptoms and how to treat them but they never tell you about the other side of you know the psychological effects that come along with this diagnosis right and especially because of the stigma around herpes so i i found myself navigating all of that on my own uh it was very painful Um, It took me a very long time. Um, You know, I was depressed. Um, I I was so afraid to talk to anybody about it. You know, my family, my friends, anybody, because I didn't know um, how they were going to react. I assumed that they were going to reject me and judge me. 
So I just decided to just, you know, deal with the whole thing on my own. Um, it took me about two, three years to get out of that dark space where I was before, you know, all depressed and, and feeling like I was less than and less deserving. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, I, I put on a mask in front of my friends, my family when I went to work. I pretended that everything was okay, that, you know, it was me, Joanna, smiles, you know, there was nothing wrong with me. But when I got home, it was a completely different story. Um, I was hurting, I was in pain, um, and I didn't have anyone to, to talk to or to, to reach out to. Um, so when I finally um, came out of that dark space, I, I realized that, you know, the, the support was needed and that, you know, I wanted to, to be someone who, who could help others just like I was suffering, you know, um, to, to overcome that, you know, uh, to change the mindset around having herpes and living with herpes, um, to let them know that herpes doesn't define who they are. And it doesn't mean that they're going to live, you know, alone for the rest of their life. So I decided to become a uh, life coach. Um, uh, after making that decision though, um, it took me a while to finally be comfortable to put myself out there. Um, you know, I was taking all the courses, I got my certification, but I think I was, um, I was taking my time and, you know, putting my website out because I was like, I don't want to go public. That's a very scary thing for me to do. While, you know, and I already told my family and friends, but it's another thing to tell pretty much the whole world, right? So finally, I think it was at the end of last year or the beginning of this year that I said, like, you know what? Um, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this to help others. And uh, that's when I decided to just go public. And uh, yeah, now... My website is out. Uh, I've told my story on Instagram and everything. So, yeah. All right. And was it easier for you to tell the world than it was for you to tell your family and friends? Yes, it was. Uh, for some reason, I found it easier to uh, disclose to, to the whole world, I guess, to the people that I didn't know, that didn't know me much than to the people that were closer to me, like my friends and my family. Mm -hmm. Now, you yeah. mentioned that you were fearful of rejection. And after disclosing the family and friends, did you experience any rejection at all? Not at all. It was the complete opposite because um, the fear that I had, the stories that I kept telling to myself is that, you know, if I disclose to my friends and family, they're going to reject me. They're just going to, you know, my dad is going to disown me. You know, nobody's going to want to do anything with me. And the first person I told was my best friend. And the way I told her was because, you know, I was working on the website for my business, uh, my life coaching business, and she's a web designer. And uh, she was helping me with that. And she said, uh, I'm just going to send you a questionnaire. I just want to know, you know, uh, what kind of business you have, what are you doing, why are you doing it, who are you going to be working with? So I'm like, okay, this is my chance, like, to tell, to just, like, you know, tell her. And, and I did that. And what she did right after she read that was uh, she gave me a call and she said, I'm sorry, 
you were going through all of this and I wasn't there for you. And this was your that, best friend? The, the, pardon? And this was your best friend? My best friend. And the fact that she said that, it, it took me by surprise, right? I'm like, oh my God, like, don't. Like, she felt bad for not being able to realize that, you know, I was going through a tough time. And I said, you know what? It's not your fault because I pretended that I was okay when I was with you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not your fault that, you know, I chose not to tell anybody. But she felt guilty because of that, you know. And uh, a couple of people have responded the same way. You know, they've been saying, like, I'm sorry that I didn't notice that you were going through a tough time. Or I'm sorry that you felt that you couldn't talk to me. Um, so, yeah, I've, um, every time I disclose, it's been very positive especially with my friends and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually regret not telling them earlier because after I told them, I felt that I felt better about myself. And I felt that, you know, having my families and my friends support actually helped me more. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. But. That does make sense. Did you seek out any other help? Like during the time that you weren't telling anyone and, you were so fearful of being rejected for your diagnosis. What was your release? Because all this pressure, it builds up in our brains and we feel as if we are the only person going through it. We feel like we can't tell anyone, we can't reach out. Did you have any release of that pressure? Were you writing? What did you do to keep yourself from going crazy? Um, the one thing that helped at the beginning was that, you know, after getting out of the relationship I was in with the person who gave me uh, the virus, I, I met someone um, a few weeks after that, someone who I really liked, and we were hanging out and stuff, and I finally said to him, like, you know what, I got, I got herpes, I got it from my previous relationship. And I totally understand if you don't want to see me again. And I did this through a text message because I was just so afraid. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get over with going, going to do it through a text message. I think that will be the easiest thing for me to do. Well, it was the hardest thing for me to do. Uh, you know, and it felt like I think he only took like an hour to reply. And for me, it felt like an eternity. Anyway, so I was, again, expecting a rejection because that's the story that I was, you know, I've been telling myself, right? And he said, um, I'm sorry this happened to you, but we'll be okay. So him saying that gave me hope. You know, him saying that made me think like, oh, you know what? I guess I'm going to be okay. It's not going to be too bad. You know, I'm not always going to get rejected. So that helped a little bit. But at the same time, I still needed to work on myself. And even though he was accepting of me, I wasn't accepting myself. I wasn't loving myself. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really tough. I didn't seek any other kind of support, you know, professional support or anything like that. So that's why I say that I dealt with this pretty much on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, and with this person, we really didn't talk much about it. We just talked about like, you know, how to practice, you know, safe sex and all of that, but we really didn't think about, talk about my, my feelings or anything like that at all. Yeah. Do you feel like you were distracting yourself with this relationship? I was. I think I was seeking, you know, um, acceptance from from other people. And, And this happened in a couple other relationships that I was in. Like after this person, you know, I continued dating. 
um, but I wasn't happy. Again, they were accepting of me, but I wasn't accepting myself. And I was very insecure about myself because of what I had. Um, and this really affected the relationship, right? Um, so it wasn't until I realized that I needed to work on myself first and love and accept myself first that I actually, you know, felt better and felt happier. And I was actually um, willing and ready to move on. Okay. Now, so many of us who've gotten to this place of self-acceptance have had our own journeys and we say, I need to work on myself. For me, that looked like journaling. It was just a lot of self-reflection and self-awareness and injecting consciousness into decisions that I was making. Mm -hmm. What was it for you? What helped you get to the place of beginning to accept yourself? Did you have any practice that you used? Yes, for me, the first thing that I needed to take care of was that negative self-talk in my head, you know, telling me, oh, you're not good enough. Nobody's going to want you now. Everyone is going to reject you now, you know. So for me, it was like, you know, shifting that voice inside my head to something a little bit more positive. Like, you know, you're worthy, like you're good enough, you know, Uh, you're beautiful, you're strong, you're confident. Uh, So what worked for me a lot was affirmations. Uh, all day, every day, while at work, while at the gym, you know, I am confident, I am beautiful, you know, this doesn't define me, things like that. Um, so that started to shift, even though at the beginning I didn't, I was saying those things, but I didn't really feel it. After a while of saying it for so long, I started feeling it and I started to feel better about myself and I started to build that confidence. So that's where it started for me. And then I started to improve my health I started working out I started like you know eating better that also helped uh, boost my confidence and my self-esteem so that's where it started for me mm-hmm. I thought I saw a picture of you uh, in like a bikini competition did you do competition I did I did that uh, for my 30th birthday oh. I decided to take on the challenge uh, it was tough uh, but I'm glad I did it. It was uh, a great experience for sure. Yeah. And so what help, what else helped you through, um, the affirmations? How, how were you able to stick with them? Because we can tell ourselves you're beautiful, you're strong, you're confident, you're powerful and look yourself in the mirror and be crying the whole time you're saying it because you don't believe it yet. Was there a transition period between that you noticed between where you know you were just saying it to the point where you began to believe it? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, You know, uh, I was able to stick with it because I was listening to podcasts, like positive podcasts. I was like reading self-help books that really helped a lot. So I was trying to look for role models in a way, you know, people that have gone through adversity and, you know, have overcome that. Um, I was looking at that. I met those people, my role models, and I was trying to follow that. And I said, if they can do it, I can do it too, right? I'm just, you know, it could be worse. I kept saying myself, you know, it could be worse. This is just a, this is a virus, a very manageable virus. All I got to do is, you know, shift the way I think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And for a lot of us, it can be worse. It can be as bad as we make it. And it's crazy how our psychology works because we can continue to say that, well, it could be worse, it could be worse, it could be worse. And then 
if we shift it to it could be better, it could be better, it could be better, we go from looking for ways that it could be worse and comparing it to those things to comparing Uh it to things that could make our experience better or we can look at the good in our situations. And one of the examples that I'll tell people for me is that having herpes gave me a filter. It gave me a tool to check to see where people were in terms of their, uh, I don't like to say closed-mindedness, but their... um, expanded range of perspective rather than contracted because that's ultimately what it is you know there are people who have a more contracted perspective and then an expansive perspective so I would use this as an opportunity to you know when disclosing you get a real idea of who a person is and what their uh, experiences are around sex and sexual health and I find that most sex positive people that I have encountered um, for sexual contact have been great lovers and great listeners and great partners and this is something that we can use to look out for that so if a person that you disclose to is like ew no I don't want anything to do with that or is not willing to at least understand it and make a fully informed decision there's your filtering mechanism keeping those people out and allowing better partners to come in who may be more experienced lovers and have an understanding and maybe even have some experience with being disclosed to or they may even have herpes themselves exactly exactly the thing is that you know um when it comes to to disclosing you have to detach yourself from the outcome you have to come into the conversation knowing that it could go either way you know and you have to prepare yourself for that right and again like you said the people that don't accept you um maybe because they don't they don't they don't really know much about herpes they are afraid i try not to judge them right like because i don't know you know maybe they don't know enough about it uh they just you know they don't want to take the risk whatever the case is i try to understand where they're coming from instead of me getting mad about you know them not accepting me i try to understand um and that is important too right because you know we cannot expect for everyone to be accepting of us because not everyone is going to do it right and there may even be other things that we overlook and Um, when we meet someone who may accept us for our diagnosis, we completely disregard things such as things that really matter, like political views or religion, spiritual beliefs, and uh, whether or not they want kids, and do you have mutual interests. And we can often find ourselves in situations where we're so excited that a person's willing to have sex with us despite having herpes that we are in a relationship where we're only getting one need met and that's just the sexual needs. So our emotional needs, our mental stimulation, spiritual needs, none of these are being met and they're being neglected. And you, while getting the physical need met in neglecting those, like where you, you, you allow yourself to be in a situation where you can uh, have a toxic relationship or you're doing yourself more self-harm than you are good. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just writing um, next week's uh, blog post and it's about, you know, settling in toxic relationships only because that other person is accepting of your status. And yet, you know, you settle for that, even though you know that that person is not right for you. Right. I guess you lower your standards of who you want to be with and what kind of relationship you want to have only because you think that having herpes 
makes you less deserving. Um, so yeah, and, and it's crazy and it's very sad. You know, I see a lot of people uh, saying like, oh, I'm in this relationship because I have herpes and I'm afraid to leave because I don't know if someone else is going to accept me. Yeah. That, that, that's sad. That mm-hmm. really breaks my heart. Having herpes doesn't mean that you have to lower your standards at all. It doesn't mean that you have to settle for anything less than you deserve. I love that you use the word standard instead of expectations because our standards are internally driven. They are what we decide is for us and what we will tolerate. And then expectations are more centered externally and people are able to let you down or you have expectations sometimes that the other person may not know about. But with standards, they're the way that you treat yourself and these are the standards that you hold other to others to in regards to how they treat you. Whereas expectations are very out of our control and they're, they're malleable. You can change them accordingly to the situation. So I'm glad you said that. And then another thing that you brought up that I thought was important is that people are admitting to you, I'm in this relationship because I have herpes, but is there any, next steps like what can we do about it if we're aware that you are living with herpes and you're in this damaging uh toxic relationship why won't you leave why are you staying in it is it because it's more easy to do your self-harm in a relationship than it is to heal yourself on your own i think it all comes down to self-esteem uh, you know, when when you have a low self-esteem, you just lose respect and and, and um, everything for yourself and you just take whatever you can get, right? Uh, so I think the main thing uh, that we need to start work on is building that self-esteem, building that confidence, you know? Um, that way you don't allow that poor treatment um, towards yourself, Um so yeah, I think I think that's where it starts. You know, self love, self respect, self confidence. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we did an episode on mindfulness where we talked about having self-compassion. And that's really a good starting place. You know, we begin with awareness. Okay, this is what's going on. All right, now let's be gentle with ourselves throughout the healing process and allow ourselves to take our time to grow and learn and do the things and experience and explore the feelings that we may be having, given whatever it is, the situation that we're in. Exactly. And if you think that you're less deserving, then you, you just will put up with anything, right? Like you will put up with less than what you actually deserve. Yeah. So that's where it all starts in my belief in what I think. Um, so that's where we need to start working on. And Loving is, ourselves, accepting yourselves. Mm-hmm. And is that what you do with your coaching? Is that what you teach? What's your, what's your angle for helping people through the healing process? So what I do is help them um, first um, acknowledge all the feelings that are coming up, right? Uh, process all of that, okay? Like, what what does it mean for you to have herpes? You know, for some people, it's like, oh, it's, it's pretty much the end of my life. Okay, why do you feel that way? Let's talk about that a little bit more. You know, where does that come from? So that's where I start, you know, helping people first acknowledge all the feelings that are coming up 
put them down in paper, let's just get them all out instead of, you know, bottling all of that in. Then let's explore where that's coming from. Let's work on, you know, shifting that negative self-talk in your head, right? Instead of like constantly hearing that, you know, the, that negative self-talk, let's, let's, let's make it a little bit more positive, you know? Let's try to challenge that negative self-talk, you know? Is, it, is that really true, what you're saying, what you're telling to yourself? Mm-hmm. Is it true or is it just an, an assumption based on what you've heard or learned about herpes? Yes. Um, so we started that and then we start, you know, shifting their 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 view about them, themselves and what it means for them to have herpes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I help them realize that herpes is not it doesn't define them. It doesn't mean that they're going to be alone forever. Um, it's just, you know, just another, the way I put it is that, you know, it's just another obstacle in your life that you need to get over, right? We, this is the game of life. Life is not supposed to be easy, you know, and some people are going to get dealt, you know, uh, shady carbs and having herpes. I mean, it's, it's not fun, like, you know, but it doesn't mean that you need that you have to give up. You just, you know, get over it, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I do. Um, you know, um, mainly just help them thrive with it and, and not let that stop being who they are. Um, yeah. All right. So we're challenging people's assumptions with the truth. You're helping people get down to what the truth is about themselves and assisting them with getting on track to living just their normal life. Because who we were five minutes, 10 minutes a day before our herpes diagnosis, the diagnosis doesn't change that. It just makes us look at things a little bit differently. We Uh now have a different lens to view uh, the things that are happening around us. Exactly, exactly. But you know, people think that, oh my God, now that I have herpes, just, just, it's the end of me, you know? Well, it's not. Mm -hmm. Unless you let it be, like, unless you let it, it's your choice, you know? You have herpes, that's not going to change. But are you going to let that, you know, stop you from reaching or going after all your goals? Or are you just going to, you know, move on? Right? So we have the choice to decide what having herpes means for us. We have that choice. I love it. So, So, um, moving through your diagnosis, your experience in doing the coaching, what would you say is probably one of the greatest lessons that you've learned through this experience? We are in complete control of how we um, decide... um, how we see things, like how we see the things that happen in our life, right? We have the choice to decide whether or not to let anything define us or stop us from continuing moving on. We have the choice. We have that power, right? Um, I think that's the biggest lesson that I've learned uh, in my own journey uh, with herpes. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, when you feel you are completely alone, you're really not... You know, for the longest time, I felt alone. I felt like I didn't have anyone to talk to. And it was the fear that was blocking my vision from seeing my friends and my family around me, waiting for me to reach out for help. Um, That's one of the biggest lessons that I've also learned um, 
you know, we need, there's always someone there to help you out. Even when you feel like there's no one there, there's always so, someone there um, that can support you. You know, a lot of the time I hear people saying, oh, I have nobody to talk to. I have nobody to talk about this. That's not true. There's always someone. And even when you feel like, you know, there's no one in your social, close social circle, there's always someone out there that you can reach out to. I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Joe. Um, how can people get in contact with you? Um, through my website, johannadominguez.com or on Instagram, I am Coach Joe. Joe. Um, yeah, those two places I think are the best place okay. where you guys can find me. Um, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been a pleasure. And I cannot wait for us to work together on more projects through hands. Uh, I'm very excited to be part of that group, and I'm pretty sure we're going to do great things, you know. I, I really like the the mission that, you know, we have. Um, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to more projects. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People with Johanna Dominguez. I will link to her contact information in the show notes. Let me know um, after you have been able to get in front of a computer or sit down, you're not driving or working out. Let me know what you thought of this podcast episode. Let me know what you think of the new branding in the beginning, shifting from STD positive being the uh, pun to sex positive being the pun and of course with continuing to talk about STDs and sexual health as well because I wanted to make this something safer for people to feel like they could share so I am really hoping that this is something that helps and get people more involved with um, having the conversations that we have on this podcast and extending what we're bringing here to their communities and their support Uh, so that we can further dismantle this stigma. I want to thank Dating Positives for continuing the partnership with Something Positive for Positive People, continuing to support us through this and allow us to keep having weekly episodes. If you haven't already, go and check out the blog, Waxo, W-A-X-O-H. It's a digital magazine, and it's LGBT-friendly, as well as STI, sex health, inclusive, and there are some articles on there that I've written, as well as information from medical professionals, therapists, Dr. Lori, Petito, who we had on the podcast before. She has a blog post written on there. And um, as you guys expressed in the survey, you wanted to have more queer experiences and guests. So that's a good place to look for information from queer guests. I've reached out and hopefully we'll get some people on the show as well who identify as queer, non-binary, etc. Till next time, stay positive.